I would like to welcome you to the workshop series titled Investing God's Way. The presenter, Tom Copeland, is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom has helped thousands of people learn and apply God's financial principles. Tom is the founder and president of Copeland Financial Ministries, and his financial moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations. Now, here's Tom teaching Investing God's Way. I would like to welcome you to this series titled Investing God's Way. This is session two of three sessions on the topic of investing God's way. In this particular session, I'm going to provide two real-life uh, case studies, two actually common real-life case studies that I've seen over the years. Uh, if you would like an overview of the biblical financial principles related to investing, then be sure to watch session one of this series. It's available on our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. And so it's, uh, here we're going to get into a couple of case studies that demonstrate the practical application of the biblical financial principles. As usual, the names uh, have been selected at random, but these case studies are real-life case studies, and um, they're, they're actually quite common in the investment area. Steve could not wait to get home to tell his wife, Mary, about a great investment. Through a friend of a friend, Steve had been given the opportunity to purchase an interest in a joint venture real estate development. The salesman explained that generally they sell only to friends and business associates of the, the president. However, they would make a special exemption for Steve. Unfortunately, though, Steve would have to make a commitment to purchase this, make the purchase within three days. So he didn't have much time to think about it. The projections provided to Steve demonstrated that he should be able to triple his investment within three years. Steve was really excited because the profits from his investment would enable him and Mary to solve their financial problems by paying off their seven credit cards as well as their personal lines of credit. The interest charges and minimum loan payments on their debt load had become a real burden and Steve believed that this investment was the solution. When Steve presented the investment to Mary, she did not feel comfortable with it. She admitted she did not understand it and commented that real estate development was outside of Steve's expertise as well. Further, in order to raise the funds for the investment, it would be necessary for Steve and Mary to assume a second mortgage on their home as they did not have any money. After praying about it for two days, Mary told Steve that she did not have peace about this investment. Steve discounted her input on the basis that she did not understand the investment and Steve purchased it anyhow. So here's the first question. Based on the information provided, do you think Steve and Mary should purchase this investment? Why or why not? Where practical, provide a reference to scripture for your answer. Think about that. Here's my suggested uh, solution. I think the answer is no. And I think uh, because this investment has many characteristics of the typical get-rich-quick scheme, which we discussed in session one, and uh, it's, it's outlined in Proverbs 23, 4, and 5, here's, uh, here's the, um, the, 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 the problems with this investment. First of all, there's a promise of an unusually high rate of return, which means that the risk associated with this investment is also high. Hence, there is also a significant risk of losses. Uh, there, there's no free lunches today. If, if an investment promises a significantly high rate of return, in this case, he was going to triple his money in three years, then the risk is high as well. That's for sure. Secondly, Mary and Steve do not understand the investment. And Proverbs 19.2 says, it's not good to have zeal without knowledge nor to be hasty and miss the way. Thirdly, it requires a quick decision. Proverbs 21.5 says, 
The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Why? Because hasty decisions are often bad decisions, and they don't have enough time to really think and pray about it and, and search it out. Um, the next point is they have no money, and they will have to borrow the entire amount to be invested, so they're taking a risk. Uh, and Proverbs 22.7 discourages debt. And one thing is, if they borrow money against their home and if the investment goes sour, they could easily end up with a second mortgage that may take them years to pay off or they could possibly even lose their home. And that's going to cause all kinds of stress on their marriage relationship. Proverbs 27.12 says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. And finally, this investment is focused on one sector of, and that's real estate development. And therefore, it's not biblically diversified. So it's not biblically diversified. So that's another biblical financial principle that this investment is not following. The bottom line is, you can see, this, uh, this investment, it, it violates a number of biblical financial principles. And it falls within the typical get-rich-quick type uh, investments that we talked about in session one. And so uh, clearly, they, they shouldn't go ahead with this. Here's an in a question just of interest. Uh, for this kind of investment, what do you think are the probabilities that Steve and Mary will make a lot of money on this? What, what do you think about that? Do you think it's, they're going to make lots of money on this or, or not? And explain your answer. Now, I know this is more of a, a gut feel thing. Now, some of these types of investments, they could, but I can tell you from experience, the, the probabilities of success on this investment are very low because it's, it's a get-rich-quick scheme, get, get scheme and Steve's motive is likely greed or selfishness. And God's not going to bless this, this ungodly motive. Luke, 16, Luke 12, 15, we got the parable of the, uh, of the rich fool. He's, God's not going to bless a, a motive when a Christian invests in something, and the motive is one of, of greed. Secondly, Mary prayed for two days, and God did not give her peace about making this investment. Remember John 14, 27, where Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now remember in Genesis 2.24, God wants husband and wife to be one flesh. And so it, it's, um, the odds are, I, I think what's happening here, God is speaking to, to Mary um, by giving her a lack of peace, but Steve is, is too excited about it, thinking it's going to solve all his financial problems, so he wants to go ahead with it. The third uh, reason why I'd say the probability of success is, is low, because God has promised to meet our needs without the necessity of assuming debt. And, and Scripture is clear and in Matthew 6 that if we put God first, God will meet our needs. And God discourages debt throughout Scripture. Deuteronomy 28, Proverbs 22, 7. There's many Scriptures where God discourages debt. So it's, it's again, this, this investment, it's not consistent with biblical principles. So the odds are God's not going to bless it. And, um, and I think that's the key. It, it, if you're investing in something and it's not consistent with biblical principles, the probabilities are fairly high that God's not going to bless it, and you're, you could, you're probably going to lose money. Now, no guarantees. Some people could invest in joint venture real estate projects and, and make money. I'm not saying they can't, but I can say for Steve and Mary, this is not an investment that's within biblical guidelines. I can say that with confidence. Here's a more important question. What steps do you think Steve and Mary should have taken before they acquired investments? There's several and please provide a reference to Scripture. So what steps do you think they should have taken? Here's my suggested solution. Number one, pray and ask God to provide His wisdom and His direction. Uh, this particularly applies to Steve. Mary did pray, and I think God provided her with the appropriate direction, but Steve wasn't open to it. Number two, ensure that they understand the investment. 
Remember Proverbs 24, 3 and 4? By wisdom a house is built through understanding it is established through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. There's an emphasis on wisdom, knowledge and understanding. If you invest in something that you don't understand, you're just taking a higher risk. I can tell you this, when, when people invest in things they, they, they do understand, their risk is much less because they, they, they understand the risk. And if, if the risk is too high, they won't invest in it. But if they invest in something they don't understand, they're, they're, they're likely going to run into trouble. For example, let's say this is a high-risk uh, real estate project, which it probably is if it's promising such a high rate of return. If, if the, the promoters take it to a developer or a builder, they're going to be able to assess the risk, and they probably will not invest in it. But they take it to Steve, and the presumption here, Steve is, well, we know from his wife's comments, this is outside Steve's expertise. So what they often try to do is sell it to people who don't have the expertise to assess the risk. And so it's, it's so important that you understand the investment. The third point is learn what God's Word says on investing. The requirement for biblical stewards, biblical diversification, Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2, and the warnings about debt um, would have directed Steve and Mary not to invest. So they, they don't understand probably anything of what God's Word says on investing. But interesting, God still spoke to Mary and gave her a lack of peace about it, which, which God can do. But it's best to understand what the biblical principles are so you can assess whether something's within biblical guidelines or not. Number four, they need to obtain counsel from an independent godly investment advisor. And that's one that understands God's word on finances and how they apply to investing. And Steve should have prayed and asked God to reveal his motives as well. In Psalms 139, David prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Steve should have prayed that prayer. And had he done that, I think God would reveal to him his, his motives. Here's a key question. Was it appropriate for Steve to discount his wife's counsel because she did not understand the investment and go ahead with the purchase? So what do you, what do you think about that? Was it appropriate for Steve to discount his wife's counsel and go ahead with the investment? Provide a reference to scripture for each point. I think the answer is no. God created husband and wife to be one flesh, Genesis 2.24. And therefore, generally, uh, a husband and wife should agree on important financial decisions before they go forward. Mary prayed and asked God for his direction with regard to the investment, and God gave her no peace, which was likely God's Holy Spirit telling her not to invest. Steve did not seek God's wisdom and direction, and Steve clearly had an inadequate understanding of God's investment principles, and he also didn't understand the investment either in any element of detail. And I can say this, uh, Steve's unilateral decision to make the investment is likely going to cause stress on um, his and Mary's relationship. It's going to cause stress just going ahead with it because she's going to probably worry about it. And it's also going to especially cause stress if the investment ever goes sour and they lose their family home. I can tell you this, it will negatively impact their kids. It can destroy the marriage relationship. And I've seen hundreds of cases over the last 38 years now I've been involved in this um, where it destroys the marriage relationship completely and it results in separation and divorce. And so it, it's not, uh, as I say often, it's more of a male thing than a female, although some women can have an issue with borrowing to invest against the house. I, I can say this, why, do you, why would you risk the family home to take on an investment you really don't need to take on? Uh, it's, it's not worth it to risk the family home. The family home is the most important asset the family has. It provides stability for the husband, the wife, the kids. It's, it's, you shouldn't risk that. And, uh, and so it, it just doesn't make sense to do it. 
Do you think, here's the next question, do you think that this kind of investment is going to solve Steve and Mary's financial problems? Why or why not? Do you think, if let's, let's say they didn't, you know, they went ahead with the investment. Let's say that it is one of those few types of investments like this where it's, it's a get rich quick and it's high risk and you got to use debt. Let's suppose it's one of those few that does make money. And let's suppose he makes some really good money. Do you think it's going to solve their financial problems? Think about that. I would suggest that the answer is no. Uh, Steve and Mary had borrowed excessively on their seven credit cards and personal lines of credit. Uh, so it implies uh, clearly they've been spending more than they've been earning for some time and not living within their means. Jesus warns that if you're not faithful with a small amount, then you will not be faithful with a large amount. If you look at Luke 16:10, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. The reason is if they apply the same worldly thinking and actions to an additional amount of income, so even if they paid off all their debts, but they continued to manage money the same way, spending clearly more than they've been making and accumulating debt, that's evidenced by, uh, you know, seven credit cards worth of debt and, and a, several lines of credit. If, if they do that, they continue to, uh, with that bad financial habits, which are contrary to God's word, then in the long run, they're not going to be any better off. This is just going to buy them more time. The key thing is this, they need to learn, understand, and implement God's word on finances, and they've been violating clearly a lot of biblical financial principles, which reflects why they've accumulated so much debt. So here's some other questions. Discuss the relevance and application of the following verses with respect to Steve and Mary's situations. Proverbs 19.2 states, It's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Steve had zeal and excitement about, um, about this, uh, this investment, thinking it was going to solve his financial problems without having the knowledge. And uh, Scripture saying it's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. And, and it just, the odds are high that it's, he could very easily get stung. When you invest in something, promises a high rate of return, and you don't really understand it. In addition, Steve made a hasty decision without counsel from God or an independent godly investment advisor. And he also made a hasty decision without, without searching to see what the Bible had to say about investing. He probably thought it had nothing to say about investing. Interesting, in my book, Financial Management God's Way, one of the largest chapters is, is on what the biblical principles are investing is. It's, uh, there's a lot in the Bible about investing. Also in 1 Kings 22.5, it says, Joseph had said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. So Steve should have sought counsel from God. And in Proverbs 21.5, it says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Steve didn't plan. He wasn't diligent. I mean, if you're going to make an investment of this kind, you should have a, a decent down payment. Actually, if it's really an investment you don't have to make, it's better just to maybe buy mutual funds and just buy a little at a time over a long period of time. Proverbs 21.5 says steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. Don't try to hit the financial home run, which so many people try to do. So planning and diligent leads to profit, and hasty decisions often leads to poverty. That's what Proverbs 21.5 is about. Here's another scripture. Let's see how this applies to Steve and Mary's situation. Proverbs 28.19 and 20 says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. Steve in particular, and also Mary, should focus on getting their personal finances in order first is what they need to do. Um, you need to understand, let me actually just put a word of explanation. Working your land 
means focusing on your area that you understand. Remember, most people were farmers at that time. So Steve should concentrate on earning his income from his own area of expertise and knowledge, whatever he's worked at for the last number of, of years. Mary as well, if she's working. And remember, at the time the proverb were written, most people were farmers. So God's saying, focus on what you know and understand. Don't get involved in something what you don't understand. And when you get involved in something you don't understand, and you think it's going to solve all your financial problems, you're probably chasing a, a, a fantasy. And that's um, what this Proverbs 28, 20 is saying. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but when eager to get rich will not go un unpunished. And it even talks about chasing fantasies will have his fill of poverty. So it, it's, you know, when you start chasing fantasies, thinking when people have been mismanaging money for a long time and accumulating debt, thinking that buying some investment or doing one thing is going to suddenly follow, solve all their financial problems, that's, that's a fantasy. That's likely not true. What's going to happen is Steve and Mary need to focus and learn God's way of managing money. They need to develop and implement a budget to ensure they're spending less than they earn, have a surplus to pay down debt. They need to um, go back through their expenses that they've had over the last uh, several years and see where did they spend money that was not necessary. And, and they need to understand that God's promised to meet our needs, not necessarily our wants and desires. So Steve and Mary have a lot to learn about God's word on finances. Case study number two. Susan was really upset. And again, as usual, uh, the names of these case studies, people, the names have been chosen at, um, selected at random. However, the... Um, the, the case studies themselves are real, and actually often they're case studies that I've seen a number of times. So here's uh, the next case study. Susan was really upset when she watched the evening news. The stock markets had crashed 22% today. Her mid, her, by the way, that's what happened on October 19, 1987. If you don't think it can happen in one day, it did happen. So uh, her mind started racing, wondering what she should do. She watched TV for three hours that evening, listening to the commentary regarding the market crash. Many financial experts predict, predicted that the economy was entering a severe recession and that investments would decrease by 80 to 90 percent over the next three years, just like they did in the 1930s. Susan was worried as she was depending on the investments for her retirement. That night, she hardly slept at all. So here's the first question. In light of the market crash and the catastrophic uh, predictions by the financial experts, Susan felt that she should sell all of her equities and own only have guaranteed investment certificates, that's DICs, and safe government bonds. Her friends were doing this, and she felt that this was appropriate for her. What do you think? Do you think this is a biblical approach to investing? And what do you believe God would want Susan to do? Provide a reference to Scripture for each point. So think about that for a few minutes. What do you think God would want Susan to do? The market's just crashed, and everything in the media is really negative. Here's what I think is a biblical approach to what Susan should do. Susan should not panic, but rather pray and depend upon God, John 15, 5, for his wisdom, John 1, 5, and his specific direction, Psalms 32, 8, as to what she should do, if anything. In John 15, God made it clear that we are dependent upon him, and she particularly needs to depend upon God as to what she should do, because no one knows the future, uh, only God does. And, and she needs to discern what God wants her to do. And God's promised to direct us, as I mentioned it earlier. Secondly, she should ensure that she has a biblically-based investment strategy. And if not, she should make some appropriate adjustments. So if she isn't diversified, according to Ecclesiastes 11.2, uh, you know, and um, whatever, if she doesn't have a biblically-based investment strategy, she may want to make some changes. Ideally, she, should have, she really should have made them beforehand and had the biblically-based investment strategy originally. 
Number three, she should ensure that her investments are diversified. Um, number four, she needs to ensure that she understands the type of investments that she owns. Remember Proverbs 24 says, By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established, through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And she needs to understand the risks associated with her investments. Susan should obtain counsel from God's word, Psalms 119.24, and a godly investment advisor. Number six, Susan should, should ask God to search her heart to ensure that her motives for investing have been godly and not worldly. Often when the market crashes or something goes really bad and people are in a state of fear, uh, that can be God also revealing to us our motives that we've been trusting in money and material things, which of course we should be trusting in Him. Number seven, acknowledge that only God knows the future and that only God is in control. That's, people need to recognize that before and in the process of making a, a financial decision. And number eight, do not fear, but rather trust God to direct her according to His will and to provide for her future needs. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and God will direct your paths. God, God will direct us as we trust Him, and certainly we shouldn't fear. Remember Isaiah 41.10 where it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Here's my next comment, question two. In the stock market crash of October 19, 1987, that's exactly what happened. The market dropped by 22%. Many portfolios did decrease in value by 22%. However, a portfolio that was diversified in accordance with Ecclesiastes 11.1 and 2 decreased by about 7%, in some cases only five or six, just depending on the asset allocation. And part of the portfolio, such as bonds and certain high dividend-paying blue-chip stocks, either increased in value or held their own. Fortunately, this was the case for Susan, as she had learned from studying God's word on investing that her portfolio must be biblically diversified. In addition, Susan had engaged the services of a godly investment advisor who implemented a biblically-based investment strategy for her. In light of this new information, what do you think Susan should do now? She's now found out her portfolio didn't plummet by 22%. It's gone down about 6 or 7%, but she is biblically diversified. What do, you, what do you think she should do now? Here's what I had. I think generally she should probably stay the course. Stick with her original investment plan. She should uh, pray, and if directed by the Lord, Psalms 25, 12, purchase investments in categories that have decreased significantly in value, and perhaps sell some investments in assets that have um, increased significantly. In other words, she should rebalance her portfolio. Uh, you know, so she should, uh, whatever percentages she was comfortable with before, if something's decreased significantly in value, probably buy more of that. And then uh, if something's gone up in value, probably sell some of that. And uh, that way, by rebalancing the portfolio, you're actually buying things that are out of favor and you're selling things that are in favor, which is what you want to do. You want to buy low and sell high. In other words, rebalance her portfolio to the original asset allocation that she felt led by the Lord to implement. And above all, obey God and trust God to meet her needs. Because if she puts God first, God has promised that he would meet her needs. So now I'd like to discuss uh, some uh, particular scriptures uh, that, that apply to Susan. And how do these scriptures apply to Susan's situation? Proverbs 3, 25 and 26 states, Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and keep your foot from being snared. Bottom line, I think Susan should not make any investment decisions out of fear. Uh, this is really important. Fear-motivated investment decisions are generally bad decisions. 
as they are usually out, and they are usually outside of God's will. Instead, she should depend upon the Lord for her confidence and direction. I also think of Second Timothy one seven, which states, "For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind." I can tell you this: when people make financial decisions out of fear, especially investment decisions, that's normally when the market's gone down. So that means they're selling when the market's down. When they make uh, financial decisions out of greed, that's normally when the market's gone up. So they tend to, what do they tend? They tend to buy high and they sell low. And it's the exact opposite you want to do. So you cannot rely on your emotions with respect to investments. You've got to go to the Lord, go to His Word. You've got to pray and you've got to discern God's will. How about this one? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God... The peace of God, it says, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What do you think about that? Isn't this a scripture that applies for Susan and applies any times when you see the markets go way down? We need to pray and ask God to give us his peace. Why? Because once you obtain God's peace, you can think in a more clear, logical, and biblical fashion. If you're operating out of fear, fear um, maybe the economy's in the tank or fear the markets come way down, Operating out of fear, often people will make hasty, quick decisions, or they'll just make bad decisions, and you don't want to make decisions out of fear. So this is uh, more detail. This is what I had about Susan. Susan should not spend her time and energy being anxious and worried about the stock market, and neither should we. Rather, with a thankful heart, she should pray fervently to the Lord, present her request to God, and God has promised that He will provide His peace, which will be beyond her understanding. In addition, God will provide his wisdom, James 1.5, and his specific direction, Psalms 32.8, as to what she should do. God has promised that he will, he will definitely direct her. I'm a real believer in uh, memory verses, and because as you meditate upon God's word, it enables you to start to think in a, in a biblical fashion and manage money God's way, including investing the money God's entrusted to you according to his principles and his specific will. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 states, By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established, through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasure. That's the first um, memory verse. And notice the emphasis on wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. That means you've got you to have God's wisdom, you've got to understand uh, the investment, and you need to get knowledge from, I mean, Scripture says uh, the beginning of, um, of, of knowledge is, is, the beginning of knowledge is the Holy One, is to know God. So that's when you're really going to have true knowledge is, when you know God and you get direction from Him. And Proverbs 27, 1 states, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day will bring forth. We don't know the future, and neither do the, uh, the investment experts as well. So if you'd like to learn more about investing God's way, be sure to go to our website and watch the other half-hour shows on this topic, our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. Further, uh, there's uh, numerous other resources available on the website where I teach the biblical financial principles with respect to other financial areas such as stewardship, God's wisdom on debt and savings, steps to get out of debt, budgeting, etc. You can also download a copy of the Copeland Budgeting System or you can join our Financial Moment email list. Most of the resources are free. And now I'd like to close in prayer. Father, I pray that everyone listening to this show, that through your spirit and your word, you would touch their heart and just enable them, Lord, to um, take the time to follow up, to learn what your word says about investing and to implement those biblical principles and develop a close relationship with you so that they can discern exactly what you want to do in investing, with respect to investing, with the money that you've entrusted to them. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you would like to learn more about God's Word on finances, be sure to check out the numerous resources available at copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.